visit occultconfessions.com and click on donate to keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. Sorry. <laughs> no, that worked. You did it. Okay. That worked just fine. It just took pauses. It's been substantially worse. The Salem witch trials tend to focus on a small group of white girls causing a big panic across a large swath of white Puritan colonists. While white people were almost all of the accusers and the accused, Caribbean and American Indian pagans played a significant role in the events at Salem. The Puritans believed that, in their mission to found a colony in America, they were at war with Satan, and the devil would marshal a conspiracy against them. The conspiracy began with the wars the Indians fought against the Christianizing Puritans under the command of Metacomet or King Philip, and then alongside the French as part of an international war between Protestants and Catholics. The trials themselves began when the magistrates of Salem Village discovered that the conflict had come home to their quiet little town through the voice of an Arawak Indian woman, the minister's enslaved woman, Tituba. Tituba, enslaved by village minister Samuel Paris, testified to the existence of a white devil leading a crew of witches from as far away as Boston, but insisted that she, Tituba, had no part in the conspiracy herself. But her witch cake, concocted to ferret out the source of the Salem girl's supernatural affliction, arguably was the spark that set off the deadly and tragic craze that followed. My name is Dr. Robert C. Thompson. I am your supreme hierophant for this alchemical actor crew, joined this day by uh, our witchiest of the crew, perhaps. I don't know if that's true. Uh, well, but Olivia, she's the witchiest of the crew. That counts. Oh, shit. Really? Because... It's, it's a high bar. Nikki's up there. Bree's up there. The three of you. Nice. <laughs> I think I'm the oldest, so... <laughs> Whatever you want to own, man. <laughs> Gotta be Grandmaster of something. I guess it's this. Grandmaster of Whatever this. Whatever this is. Our most conspiratorial, though, is easily Savannah Verrett. Truth. Hello, that's me. <laughs> Sister of the 84th degree. All right, ladies, shall we pledge it out? We, we the, the members, members of, of the Secret Order of Alchemical, Alchemical Actors, do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. All right, Olivia, open ran up. Ran out of breath. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> let me let you, I'll let you. You are the oldest. I'll let you yep. catch your breath, <laughs> and then I would like you to get us into that order of confessors. All right. Uh, is this where? Yeah, you make sounds. What's what have you been having other people do for this? Yeah, some people. Uh, <laughs> he's like make three sounds and yes, uh, any yeah. sounds. Make three sounds. That's all well, he it says. Have to be Last three. time I think oh. I did like a. You sang a whole song. A song. Which is I welcome that. <laughs> I welcome that again. I would never discourage a song. I'm opening up the order of confessors. We're opening up. The Order of Confessors. Open it up. <laughs> the Order of Confessors. Well, that was like a little blues cluesy. I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> I'll take, they're open. They're open now. It's, it's too like late. Mailbox or something. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's thank a few patrons. We want to welcome Patty D, the Pope of Fives, Alex K, Thomas C, and uh, the Flying Bell. I think I called the Flying Ball last time because my computer <laughs> was too far from me. Are, are we... <laughs> I couldn't see... I was I, could, I missed the letter. I'm still trying to figure out: is it is Patty separate from the Pope? Or oh yeah, is Patty, Patty D is not the Pope comma, of Fives. Pope of Five. Okay, yeah, Pope of Five separate. Great. Separate I just patron. needed to clarify that it wasn't Pope Patty. We Thank have both you. a Patty and a Pope. Patty and a Pope. Okay. <laughs> I want to thank uh, Brad N2M uh, for making a comment on the uh, iTunes, humorous and entertaining. Great pod says Brad N2M. Uh, and I do want to uh, congratulate our Spotify listeners who have surpassed our iTunes reviews, I think, by uh, many at this point. Uh, I, I asked that question last show, and, and now we're there. So Woo. way to go, Spotify listeners. Uh, iTunes listeners, you could always catch up. <laughs> I like that you're creating competition. I'm doing what I can here to get them reviews, yes. Uh, you, have to, you just have to hit the stars on Spotify. You can hit the stars on iTunes. We'll take that, too. And our love waits for you. And we'll say you're... 
your username. Like we will. Yeah, <laughs> we love them. We a love plus love usernames. it. That's a all you plus. need. Yeah, a plus love it. Well, thank you to those who did review us. Yeah, now, thanks, y'all. I'm gonna quote Madman now. Here, it sent us a message. This was a private message, so I don't usually do this, but this was an unusual oh, private message. So Madman says, "Hey guys, just uh, just wanted to message you to say I've been enjoying the show. Keep up the good work. Uh, also, I don't know why, but it sounds like you guys go straight to banging as soon as each <laughs> episode is wrapped Christ. up. I had to think about that for a minute, to be honest. When I first read it, I don't know what he meant by banging. I was being I was being <laughs> an old Man about it. on shit yeah i thought yeah i was just start drumming pans. yeah but but no he believes that, that an orgy erupts immediately following the show <laughs> that's uh tripping into dangerous like cult category right yeah, i will yeah. never confirm or deny <laughs> what happens when we are done we've been recording a lot though separately that's until true. recently I we, guess, we, so. we do the cyber nikki's always in canada jacob's in florida <laughs> we do cyber orgy. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, the internet in mm. 2022. <laughs> Let's close up this order of confessors. That's enough teasing the audience. Oh, am I supposed to do a thing yeah, do again? Another thing. Closing them up. We're closing them up. That's... We have no more confessors. We're closing them up. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I tried to turn it into more of like a poetry slam thing, but oh, it still I felt like yeah. the mailbox. The snaps helped. <laughs> <laughs> snap for myself. Thank you. So we're going to wind our way around to Tituba here uh, today. Tituba is my main focus, uh, but I want to start by just laying the groundwork for the Salem trials and giving a little perspective on, on these that maybe, you know, I know a lot of our, our everybody out there, our confessors, have heard about Salem. You've probably been to Salem, many of you. Uh, but I don't want. I want to give you a take on Salem that maybe you haven't heard before. Um, so we're just going to start by talking broadly about Salem itself. The trials, the trials, the Salem witch trials reflect a community anxious to have its belief in a satanic conspiracy confirmed. I mean, did you, have you guys ever thought about Salem this way? That they're they're upset, like that they're basically living a kind of end times. You know, they're waiting for Satan to rise up. Yeah, because school. Oh, good. (laughs) Well, I took that class. Good job, On heretics, and we did a whole thing on... Salem. Like, we... Well, we touched on it when we talked about witches, just to be like, so that's going to happen, and this is why. That's going to happen? Well, so we were a little bit... So we... It was medieval class. Ah, I see, I see. But we, we like, talked about, like... Well, we talked about, like, the malab... That I can never say. This is so, a Maleficarum. Yeah. Yeah. So was it like the Seventh Day Adventist where they were like they had a prophesized like a doomsday that they knew was coming on a certain date, or they were just like it's just going to happen any day. Be ready. Well, in witchcraft, as I've mentioned, I think in other episodes, we tend to think that the presence of witches or the proliferation of witches in the Renaissance and medieval period is because uh, humanity is reaching the end times. Like evil, the witch, the witch is a sign that evil has been, you know, re- is reaching its fullness. Hmm. So Jesus is going to come smack it down. <laughs> right? I mean, is that what you... Yeah, covered? sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of... I guess I was going to go the more like book way of being like, well, a lot of people were just writing a lot of shit. And then everyone. Oh, just oh there's a lot it. of publication around the subject. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Is a lot of like with end times suggestions to it, right? Yeah. But it was a lot about I felt like currently like this is how you identify. This is what it is. The Sabbath. Blah 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. For Salem, I mean, this is considered to be by many scholars a sort of like end point of the witch craze. Mm. This is it, it in part because it's long past when most of the witch trials took place that's why we like barely talked about it in class like she was like that's gonna happen but you know it's a weird moment it's they purposefully well let's get into it (laughs) so the trials reflect a community again anxious to believe in a satanic conspiracy that they are the victims of a satanic conspiracy so this i think has resonance for us today the strange behavior of the girls who claimed to have been bewitched may have sparked the events that followed, but the ground was well and truly laid out for a panic in advance. That's what I, the case I want to make here. We were already ready for this. Like It was like they were sitting on uh, kindling or gasoline, just waiting for that match. 
Can I just throw in here real fast? Um, and if this is too much of a tangent, maybe we can save it for later. Is it about gasoline or kindling? No, 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 no. <laughs> How accurate do you believe the play is, Arthur Miller's? The Crucible. Yeah. I'm going to argue with it a bit. Okay. What do you think, Olivia? So, okay, here's the thing. I'm kind of a slut for The Crucible. I mean, it's <laughs> awesome. You I actually love really like it, too. I think it's well written. Yeah. I yeah. remember reading it in middle school, and I was the only kid that was like, this shit is cool. No. <laughs> like, I was the same way. Did you have to act it out? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. and I was the main bitch because no one else gave a oh, fuck. How did I <laughs> know the, that you would the girl, be the main bitch? But the, the one on trial, like oh, Proctor. Elizabeth oh. Proctor, is that yeah, her name? Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. you meant that no, you not were the Abigail one that ruined everybody's life. No, no, like, that would be very on brand. Yeah, though. Uh, but, no. You just tend to play those characters a lot. Yeah, I didn't no. want to make that sound like Olivia's just like out there constantly ruining no, people. I'm a satanic 13-year-old yes. at all times. So yeah. she likes to cosplay us. It's just my, my <laughs> yeah, skin. Because that, that play makes it seem like it was like all that girl's fault, you know? Yeah, not exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I figured. But it was a, It was basically five girls, but... People were already blaming their neighbors. Yes, and it was because of the environment. And I think Miller was partially making that point because it's, after right. all, supposed to be about the uh, you know, McCarthy era, you know, and all that. So I, you can blame McCarthy, oh, but McCarthy's okay. just a symptom of the communist yeah. scares, right? So he's talking about the groundwork as well as the individual and, and how they interact. Yeah. Anyway, a little bit of literary analysis at the top <laughs> yeah. of the show. <laughs> In January 1692, village minister Samuel Paris's Indian slave Tituba reported seeing his nine-year-old daughter Betty and 11-year-old niece Abigail acting strangely. Couldn't be two more innocent-sounding girls. Here comes Betty and Abby. <laughs> Both were living in the house with the good Reverend Paris. They crawled under chairs, made strange gestures and weird speeches, and made Paris wonder if they might be bewitched. Betty and Abigail were too young to testify, but a handful of older girls would join in these strange behaviors. So it's important to note, uh, for those of you who are not <laughs> Salem aficionados like Olivia, the two girls who started it were not allowed to go to trial. Hmm. Well, that's the first difference, I guess, right there. Yeah. Yeah. But also, so how old were they? How Nine and 11. So what was the age where you were allowed to go to trial? Do you know? Uh, well, the rest of them are allowed to, and they're teenage, older teenagers. Like 14, 15? Yeah. I'm I wonder list all if they, the girls knew that they wouldn't have to go to trial. It's possible. But also, or is that giving them a lot of credit? I, they would they'd be having them thinking far enough in advance that they, right, uh, right. you know, who knows? Maybe they were just messing around. Yeah. Maybe they really felt they were bewitched. I was say, I have an 11-year-old little brother who is very, like, he just does that stuff every day. So either he's <laughs> right. possessed he by a witch, crawl, yeah, my, demon, I mean, kids just or... Yeah, yeah, they're weird. Yeah. Ryan like, will just run across the room and jump onto the couch really fast and like body slam himself and then run back and start playing video games again. It's like, why'd you do that? And he's like, I don't know. I just wanted to. Yeah, so the kids were acting <laughs> weird and Paris was like, they're bewitched. So he, I think he's probably largely responsible for Did making it Did he have up. kids? Uh, yeah, he had a nine-year-old daughter. Well, then he should... He ought to know. Okay. I guess her, his daughter was just the ideal kid, I guess. No, she wasn't. She was crawling under tables. And he said, you Oh, like, that's right. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) He just couldn't handle it. Right. Hmm. So the witch accusations, trials, and executions at Salem were based largely on the testimony of five girls who were not these two. Um, 11-year-old Abigail Williams, the niece of Samuel Paris, actually was one of the two girls, uh, but Betty, too young. Um, uh, twelve-year-old Anne Putnam Jr., her cousin, seventeen-year-old Mary Walcott of the prominent uh, Putnam family, uh, three maidservants, seventeen-year-old Mercy Lewis, seventeen-year-old Elizabeth Hubbard, and twenty-year-old Mary Warren. So the oldest of the girls was twenty. No, sorry, I was just thinking. Uh, do you guys know the show Salem? I don't. No, I haven't, I haven't watched it, no. it. Okay, because like this sound like. So they have, like, I was just thinking, I was like, oh, those are the names of a bunch of characters in the show that they do have in the beginning. So it's kind of interesting that they do, it seems a little bit more. Wait, so Tichuba is Native American? Is that what she I'm said? I'm going to get there, yeah. Yep. Okay. Because I feel I'm, like she's never depicted, no. she's always no, depicted, she's always depicted, as, depicted like, as black. Yeah. Or like voodoo, Haitian. Yeah. Like, Native Caribbean. Right, right, right. Yeah, That's she, what I feel like she always gets. She is Native Caribbean, but. Oh, yeah. okay. But she's Arawak. Yeah, I, I mean, about... we're guessing. I mean, this is old-timey history, right? Puritan right. era, 
the records are not fantastic, but that's what makes the most sense. Was she okay? You're gonna get to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So the situation that these girls had placed themselves in was precarious. The girls had to commit to their accusations for the duration, or they would risk terrible punishment as a consequence. This is another thing I think we don't often reflect on. Once they started, they couldn't stop, Mm -hmm. or things would have gone very poorly for them. If their behavior was the product of demonic possession, the girls themselves would be blamed for attracting the devil. Only witchcraft practiced against them by their neighbors would leave them blameless. But even then, they weren't entirely out of the woods. Magistrate John Hathorne indicated that if the girls were acting by design, that is to say, faking it, then they would be guilty of attempted murder for accusing their neighbors of crimes, and they themselves would be put to death as a result. Oh my god. Okay. Because if you're a witch, they'll kill you. So you can't just say that. No, yeah. Talk about not being able to... Once you lie, <laughs> you got to keep lying. Yeah, you're really in. <laughs> yeah. This lie is not just like, it's not kid stuff. Mm-hmm. The moment they go to trial, it's not kid stuff anymore. The trials also violated a variety of standard protocols reflecting the magistrate's general lack of interest in proper legal procedure. They were just desperate to believe in this conspiracy is what I'm trying to say here. Mm. The trials were largely pro forma insofar as they were evidence for a foregone conclusion in the minds of both the magistrates and the villagers, that conclusion being that Salem was under attack by demons. The trials were unusual for many reasons, the first of which was the fact that they were made public and the girls were allowed to testify together, like the OJ trial or that whole thing with Johnny Depp. Ah. Yeah, this is weird that that's topical. a public thing. Topical, yeah. Well, if topical <laughs> if you're listening to it now. <laughs> pop culture reference. We Insert pop culture reference here. We're hip. <laughs> this might be a weird question, but does Salem stand for anything? Like the name itself, does it mean anything specifically? I don't. People who have been, I have been to Salem, but I do not recall. If you have visited Salem recently, let us know what the where they got the name for the village. It's a good question. Because now it means it. Now it feels like it means something spooky, but that's because of what happened there. So it would not have before that. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh. So. Uh. So the trials were public, and the girls were allowed to testify together, which is unusual. We don't like obtaining confessions with two people in the room. Proper procedure would have dictated they testify separately to prevent them from colluding or fabricating evidence. If Olivia's just sitting there and I'm like, yeah, there was a devil and it was, uh, it was green. Olivia's like, it was green. Yes, it was a green devil. But, you know, if we were in separate rooms, we could be caught in a lie. Were they, was this testifying like during an actual like court proceeding at this point or was this like was often this testifying in, the presence of in a judge. front of yeah there was some legal a group of like was it an audience there public quote okay, yeah that's it's public yeah everybody got to come were the did the girls ask for that or the people the magistrate this is what was the just magistrates like, wanted oh, this is what the village wanted, wanted. yeah oh. people wanted to see this stuff yeah Okay, that's interesting. Sam Alito is like, bring those cameras in the courtroom. No, I mean, like, did the girls ask to be together during the confession? Oh, or they may have. They testimony. may have. They may mm. have gamed that a little bit. I, I don't know exactly, but they would have wanted to. Yeah, well, no, I feel for like sure. they would have the leverage of if you want any of us to speak. Yeah, you need to let us let me be with my my right. buddy, or mm, otherwise. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, This testifying together was particularly important under the circumstances because, according to Salem's Code of Laws, two witnesses were required to prove the validity of spectral phenomena, and two of the five often served as those witnesses. So there's extra pressure on them. Because they're saying that they're being haunted by a non-physical entity, and we're going to dig into this a little further, the law says that we need two people to verify that. But they're allowing them to do it in the room together. So they're basically really only getting one testimony and claiming that it's two. Oh, okay. Because, like I'm saying, with the blue and the green, Olivia and I can simply follow each other's lead. Yeah. They're not getting two separate testimonies and comparing them in order to verify that there is some sort of specter at work here. I use the word word specter, you know, for demon. That's what they're really after. But specter because it's not of this world. Spectral evidence. Having these two, having two testify separately would have allowed us to compare their accounts, so, you know, screwing ourselves over here, evidence-wise. Spectral evidence, by the way, had been disallowed in the Puritan courts, but 
English common law allowed for its inclusion at trial, and that is what the Salem magistrates chose to follow. So they're in a Puritan community, and all the Puritans in all the other communities have said, you can't have demons talk at trial. And they're like, no, 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 no. There's this other law code. We're going to go with that because we have some demons who would like to talk. <laughs> That's um, federal versus state law So again, spectral evidence uh, for these witchcraft trials. Um, witchcraft trials tended to be based on physical evidence and not spectral evidence. So let, let's get into that for a second. The witch's mark on the accused's body was very important at trial. Um, what did that look like? The witch's teat. <laughs> what? What? That's all you need to know, Savannah. I, I, I think like it just familiar made me more Or confused. the devil or whoever the fuck would. Yeah, it was a birthmark often, and they would try to insert needles into it, and if you didn't feel pain when the needle was inserted, that would be a sign that it was the devil's mark. But it's like if some you watch them do it, so you could be like, "Ow!" It could be uh, the other way around. There's something well, about inserting the, needles. Yeah, because well, even medieval, like you know how like the whole like which is the sink or float thing. Yeah, that's physical evidence. It was flipped before, but now, but at this point, I think it was the op. Like it was different, but it used to be flipped because that always confused me in my heretics class so in some cases you wanted to float in other cases you wanted to sink i can't remember <laughs> if you were blameless you would float if you were blameful this was you would with sink. like the jews too though yeah like, yeah they would do this but yeah okay so uh what are we talking about the merits of physical evidence are certainly subject to a healthy share of doubt as we're talking about with this floating and sinking but at salem the evidence wasn't physical at all they didn't even try tossing anybody into a river people were tried convicted and executed based on the behavior of non-physical demons or specters existing in the non-material realm speaking through these girls mouths wait were there other signs of witches physical signs of witches you only said the devil's teat one or whatever well, the, the it, tossing in the river whether oh, okay, you float or okay. sink there was like i'm like sorry it felt the, like we skipped a couple bullet points thank you i can never <laughs> say it. i'll never be able to say it in that book there's like because i did that game where i had to list a bunch of stuff oh, yeah, yeah. but it was like birthmarks uh there's not like a lot of like physical stuff so much oh, as okay. like. But all, it could also be the thing the witch does to you. So Olivia could be like my breast dried up or I could be like my yeah. penis fell off. And, mm. You know, that's physical things that befell us. Yeah. Oh, okay. Circumstantial I gotcha. that it's connected at all to a certain human being, but we can make that case based on something physical. In this case, it's just these girls saying a demon is inside of them. and It could be something even as simple as like you as a girl talk to another like person unattended and that mm. could be like mm. sus like it could be like you're a girl who has other close girlfriends that's just like it, it could be like do you know what i mean like it could be so many like things that aren't things that they just like Even yeah, an unusual no, relationship with your broom yeah uh so, <laughs> so the girls would describe the spectral witches visiting them in the night and torturing them in various ways so the body didn't come to them just the spirit in court, they would claim that their bodies were being manipulated or hurt by the people on trial and then act out their torment. Mm. This acting out became the physical evidence that the court used to secure its convictions. So Olivia's like, oh, I am in pain. I hurt. Uh, and the court's like, evidence. No. <laughs> it's in the room. Nobody can fake it. that. Nobody can fake <laughs> that joking. at all. I'm my kid's not like, I don't want to go to bed. I don't feel good, daddy. I don't feel like going to school. I don't feel good, daddy. Witch. <laughs> I don't want to eat. I don't feel good, daddy. Yeah, that's all they're doing. The validity of spectral evidence was highly suspect. Many Puritans outside Salem questioned its use during the course of the Salem trial. So that's another thing. We shouldn't imagine that all of New England is like, yes, there are witches and they are in Salem. A lot of New England is like what happened what is wrong with these Whoa. people i didn't know that yeah that's interesting well because if they're not being like physically affected by it and they're you know yeah their crops are probably chilling <laughs> you know 
they're fine. They're like, they don't got anything to blame. There's a desire among the Puritans to believe in the conspiracy, but there are, of course, people who are skeptical that any of this is valid. And when they look at the trial proceedings, it's not convincing. Mm -hmm. This guy, Thomas Brattle, characterized the Puritan general public's main source of doubt about these accusations when he said that the devil's power could be used to distort the minds of these young accusers. And so testimony without physical evidence must be inadmissible. What can't the devil do? Right? The devil always lies. Amen. The devil always lies. (laughs) Perhaps the whole affair of accusation, trial, and execution is just the devil's ruse to ruin Salem. So the girls could just be lying. He really just said... Salem. Right? He's but got it out for Salem. Yeah. One town in yeah. fucking Massachusetts. <laughs> the rest of New England is fine. Like a Stephen like, King novel. Like, why didn't he pick, like, that's going to say like, somewhere in like the, the South? It's a tiny town in Maine. Is suddenly at the center yes. of all this demonic what phenomenon. What is that called? Well, there's a lot of other pet cemeteries kind of like oh, that. And, but yeah. there's one where it's literally the devil and he, like, steals one of their kids. Oh. What Storm are you of about the Century? No. Stephen King? Yeah. Hmm. devil steals one of his kids yeah so he's like on a tiny island in maine and there's like a crazy snowstorm and this dude shows up and he keeps saying give me what i want and i'll go away and they're like what do you want and he's like i'm the devil and i want one of your kids and he steals yeah it's sort of like that yeah (laughs) it's a cool it's a cool story my dad made me watch it when i was a kid but i I can't think of what it's 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 not storm of the century but it is something along that because i think storm of the century is like the one about the boat that sank in the great lakes but mm. <laughs> but then there's another one and it has i'm gonna a, look this up yeah. <laughs> it's a really good like movie tv series movie thing so it probably wasn't the witches who were tormenting the girls but the devil himself in brattle's characterization so we shouldn't really believe anything they're saying martha Corey, who was accused and eventually executed for witchcraft said that the specters the girls saw were not produced by her but by the devil The fact that the devil showed himself in the guise of an innocent person was a way of sowing dissent in the Puritan community and punishing God's elect. So, in other words, uh, for for Corey, she was saying, when you thought you saw me uh, torturing you at night, that was the devil, and he made himself look like me, because the devil, as Olivia says, can do whatever he wants. Do all. Can lie that's in a many pretty ways. solid argument, though. If her her being in that position, I feel yeah. like that's the best argument she could yeah. have made. Yeah. Uh, Tituba does even better than her because she gets away with all this nonsense, or she gets away from all this nonsense, Mm. I should say, and and we'll get there. But first, we need to stop by King Philip's War. So this is an interesting moment that uh, in the history of of the of America, uh, when the native people rose up against the Puritans, Uh, and and this provides some context for the idea that there was a satanic conspiracy, or at least that the Puritans came to believe that. So listen to this here. Salem's residents had to take some fairly ambitious steps outside of their legal traditions to conduct their trials, and so they must have been very anxious to believe, despite the weakness of the evidence, that the devil was after them. This suggests an atmosphere of paranoia around Salem at the time of the trials. Why? Why were the Puritans so convinced the devil wanted them? Or (laughs) the tiny town of Salem? (laughs) The devil was like, they have a rad name. I want that town. (laughs) That name has potential. I see tourism in the future here. I see tourism opportunities. Yes. If we can just get some things it's going just spooky here. spooky enough. So uh, some scholars point to the region's native people to explain this mystery. Why did we get so, so weed up that we had these bizarre trials? When the Puritans arrived in America, they relied on the Indians to teach them how to cultivate corn, and their relations persisted through the fur trade, as well as fish and lumber, until about 1662, this is our Thanksgiving tradition in the U.S. We like to imagine pilgrims and Indians hanging out together. <laughs> Been a good it's time. It's all we learn in like pre-K. Eating yep. the turkey. This is just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wampum was a recognized form of currency until it was gradually replaced by silver. So you could actually, as a Puritan, trade in Indian currency. Oh. Although land played a role in the growing divide between Puritans and American Indians, it was by no means the whole picture. Fracturing economic relations, as well as the fact that Puritans were so humorless and difficult to get along with... (laughs) I love that. ...that the British... Let's remember, the British kicked them off of their islands because the Puritans were such a bad time. You're going to suck. (laughs) Yeah. And 
And then the, Get on a boat. The boat comes over. American Indians are like, hey, we'll trade stuff with you guys. You shoot you stuff. We'll fun. take some food. And they're like, oh, damn. We know yeah, why they yeah. kicked you out. Yeah. So <laughs> this, uh, this contributed to tension between the Puritans and their unintentional hosts in the Americas. The French, for example, had broadly friendly relations with native tribes in the 17th century. I say broadly because, of course, there were complications in the relations between the French and the American Indians, but the Puritans were highly motivated to compel native people to live according to their rules and beliefs, which again is why the British threw them off the island in the first place. I did. I just Googled it. It is Storm of the Century. Oh, Dude. nice. And uh, yeah. It was really good. My, I probably watched it when I was too young, but my dad really liked it. And I was a little bit afraid. I was like, oh my God, what if that happens to us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like if you're going to watch it as a kid, that's the first thing you're going to think. Yeah. It's the first thing my kid would ask. She'd be like, daddy, could you not give me to the devil? Oh, yeah. well, they didn't give them some. Well, it was like, it was a whole thing. Never mind. <laughs> they did like a thing with rocks. And it was like, if you pick the white rock, he took your kid and, and oh. yeah. Oh, so it's like the lottery. It's a sure yeah, because he was like, I'll make you all walk into the water and die, like drown yourselves if you don't give me the kid. So oh. sick. Like Roanoke or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're all over the place today <laughs> in, in colonial America. I really like that movie. <laughs> American Indians would adopt each other into their tribes in order to strengthen their numbers and weaken others' numbers. So this was a tradition between the tribes that this would take place. This is how the native tribes, however, interpreted Puritan attempts to Christianize them as an intentional effort to weaken their ranks and strengthen the Puritan tribal rank. Hmm. You see? Mm -hmm. So they're like, hey, you want to be a Christian? And they're like, no, we're not going to get behind that hole. (laughs) We got our, we're mightier than you. Some of the smaller fractured tribal groups, however, embraced Christianity as a way to curry favor with the whites, but others rejected it. Indian leaders who resisted Christianity included Philip, Ninigret, and Uncas, uh, and they said that it was good for the white man, but not so good for them. I know that's right. So they weren't like, you gotta not be Puritans. They were like, if that's what you get off on, fine, but we're over here, you're over there, meet us in the middle, we'll trade for furs and stuff, but Mm -hmm. other than that rather not get too close to this whole thing. Philip, who'd adopted the English name, but also went by his birth name, Metacomet, was the son of Massasoit. Massasoit, along with Squanto, had originally struck an alliance with the Mayflower colonists when they arrived in Plymouth. But under Metacomet's reign, the colonists cut off trade with the Wampanoag and arrested Metacom's brother, Wamsuta, Metacom, Metacomet, they went by both names. Mm. Went by a lot of names. <laughs> Philip, Metacom, Metacomet. Uh, so they arrested his brother for selling land to the colonist Roger Williams. So this is a, a bit of complicated maneuverings going on between, but needless to say, relations are breaking down. The native convert to Christianity, John Sassamon, who had graduated from Harvard College and served as a translator mediating between the colonists and the Indians, warned the colonists that Metacomet was massing an army against them. After Metacomet was brought in for a brief trial and released, that translator, Sassamon, turned up dead in a frozen pond. Oh, damn. Yeah. Damn. Three Wampanoag were arrested and executed for Sassamon's murder, and this became the breach that opened on to what has since been called King Philip's War. So all these back and forth events, you know, they're getting worse and worse and worse up through the the trial of these uh, members of the tribe who had killed Sassamon or possibly killed Sassamon. That's where it's over. That the comet has had enough. Metacomet's alliance of Algonquian tribes attacked a series of colonial settlements in an effort to force the colonists off the continent, including raids at Andover, Bridgewater, Portland, Providence, Rehoboth, Suffield, Warwick, and Weymouth. So this is a big undertaking. The war lasted for three years, from 1675 to 1678, and ended with Philip, when Philip was killed by a militia in Mount Hope in Rhode Island. A tenth of a tenth say this one more time, of the colonists' male fighting force died in the conflict. Wow. And they were already dying of a variety of other things. So, Jesus. The Indians, however, suffered greater losses with a couple thousand dying during the conflict and hundreds more executed after the war. Mm -hmm. 
Beginning in 1688, native tribes aligned with the French against the English colonists during King William's War, named for William of Orange, the Protestant king who, along with Mary II, deposed the Catholic James II. War against Catholic France stretched into the colonies with Indians raiding New England towns and forcing refugees to flee the land. So with France and England, it's really Protestant v. Catholic, and that's a war that's taking place internationally. What happens in, in America is that the Indians say, well, the English suck, so we're going to go with the French, and that's how they end up becoming involved and siding with the, the Catholic side of the French Protestant v. Catholic struggle. Hmm. Uh, so, both King William's War and King Philip's War led English refugees to move to Essex County, which is where the Salem trials took place. So, let's imagine Salem is a tiny community that has a lot of refugees. Refugees who are a little bitter about the native involvement in the conflicts that have compelled them to move to Salem. You got me? Mm-hmm. Whether or not fear of the Indians led to the trials, the native tribes' active resistance to Christianization and colonization suggested that the devil was at war with the Puritans. So they're coming over and being like, you want to wear a buckle hat and not have sex and not enjoy things? And the Indians are like, nope. And they're like, that's the devil made him say that right there. Because I just offered him pretty much the best situation. Right. <laughs> Also, by the way, if you convert, you still might not go to heaven because, you know, we're all sinners in the hands of an angry God. And the <sighs> Indian's like, no, thank you. I would not like that. The devil. That was the devil. Cool. <laughs> the Puritans believed that their destiny was to establish a Puritan paradise and that Satan was actively conspiring to prevent them from achieving their goal. Every time an American Indian said no to the buckle hat. Man, Satan is a busy dude. He is very busy, <laughs> very focused. Never sleeps. On America. That's what they say. Never sleeps. I love it. Various misfortunes in the colonies were blamed on the devil, and they sometimes interpreted their conflicts with the pagan Indians, Puritans, that is, as having been inspired by the Prince of Darkness. At Martha Corey's examination, the lady who said, eh, "It's uh, that's not the devil. That's uh, that is the devil. That's not me ah. coming to you. It's the devil." 17-year-old Mercy Lewis, the maidservant in the household of Thomas Putnam, joined the small group of girls who claimed they were being bewitched and tormented by the devil and his witches. Lewis had fled from Falmouth, now Portland, Maine, when it was destroyed by Indian attacks during King Philip's War in 1676. Among the horrors Lewis must have seen of the war, she may have witnessed the killing of her own grandparents. The scholar Mary Beth Norton speculates that Lewis may have seen Salem's witches as part of a grander conspiracy, including the Indian raids that drove her and her family from Maine. While Lewis provides a direct connection between the Indian wars and Salem, another woman was responsible for extending the satanic conspiracy onto the Salem villager's doorstep. That woman, of course, was Tituba. So you got me so far? So Mercy, or is that, is that her name? Mercy? Mercy Lewis? She was literally involved in Indian raids. Mm. So she comes to Salem having all these mm, complex opinions, let's say, about the nature of the devil and the conflict with native people. And these are all uh, quietly bubbling underneath of the trial. Mm. We don't hear them explicitly necessarily, but they're there. Let's talk a little bit about Sam Paris before we get to Tituba. So two enslaved black women were actually accused of witchcraft by the Salem girls. Candy, a native of Barbados, was asked about using rags, cheese, grass, and a knotted handkerchief to bewitch her victims. I actually think that's where they say Tichuba's from in the Crucible. Barbados? Barbados. That, confusing you're totally right. Candy. Yeah, she talks about flying back there or something yeah, like that. You're totally right. That's interesting. I mean, she was an Arawak woman, so I guess it's... Po but, but they may be... He, uh, he may have combined Tichuba mm -hmm. with Candy. Wait. What is, what is she again? Can you explain that? Like, where is? Barbados? No. <laughs> Let's get the Europe? history of Barbados. Arawak. I, er, er, where, like, would they be normally? It's, it's the Caribbean. Okay. Yeah, native people of the Caribbean. Okay. Yeah. When the magistrates experimented with burning and submerging the rag, the girls responded as if scalded and drowned. So sort of like a, what, what we call a voodoo doll. So the white rag was bewitched to do things to them. Although she confessed, Candy that is, to having been made a witch by her enslaver, she was eventually found not guilty and released. 
Mary Black was a slave to Nathaniel Putnam and accused of witchcraft. Black denied it and was jailed, but never put on trial. Hmm. The trials were cut off after a certain point. Oh, just okay, went too okay. far. So she managed to, I guess, hold out long enough. The minister Samuel Paris's slave Tituba played a much larger role in the tragedy. Paris had brought Tituba and her husband John Indian from Boston and then Salem. Although they're often described as African or half-African, it's more likely that they were both American Indians, specifically Caribbean Arawaks, especially since the records only ever identify them as Indians. So that's an important point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mary Black and Candy, however, were described as Negroes, a term never applied to Tichaba. So it's not like they were just calling all black people Indian. They specifically mm. differentiated between the black Caribbean Candy a Caribbean Islander, Candy, and these Arawak people hmm. who were Indian, all from the Caribbean. Uh, they came to Boston by way of Barbados. So actually, he's right. Uh, oh, when okay. Tituba was between 13 and 18, and she was no older than 30 when the witch trials took place. Paris was fully invested in the notion of a satanic conspiracy and beat Tituba to get her to confess to witchcraft. Hmm terrible way to elicit a confession as we've said many times it's likely that much of what the magistrates do, drew out of Tituba in court can actually be traced back to Paris so they weren't beating her in court but this man had beat her and the threat of him lingered Paris arrived as the first full-time minister of Salem Village it was meant to be a lifetime appointment which put particularly high stakes on his ministry it was possible to remove a minister, and the village had removed ministers in the past, but the commitment to Paris was much stronger than previous clergy. So they really liked this guy. Paris distinguished between the clean, full members of his church and the unclean non-members. Now, this is a little strange. There are members of the church, and there are non-members in a Puritan community. You could mm -hmm. be a non-member, but still be in the church. This is because it was common for residents of a community to attend church without being a full member. In fact, there were many in Salem Village, roughly 140 adults, which amounts to 70% of the village's men and women who were not full members of the Salem Village Church. But what does that mean? Like, they just go to church only on Sundays, and then the rest of the time they're like, whatever? <laughs> Less work to do? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's about committing yourself and, you know, making that commitment specifically to the church and to the belief system. It's like people that just go to church on holidays. Easter, Christmas, done. Except Sunday. We go every Sunday, but yes. Oh, yeah. I know. I'm saying like... Nowadays. Yes. <laughs> Conflict began when Paris and the church brethren decided to restrict access to baptism to full members only. Because the majority of adults in Salem Village were not members of any church or were only halfway members, most were now prevented from having their children baptized unless they submitted to a public confession of faith and became full members. Paris poked at this simmering tension by calling out non-members in church services to goad them into joining. Hey, I see you're not a member yet, Savannah, he would say in the <laughs> middle of his sermon. Just occurred to me. Let me go back to the brimstone. <laughs> <laughs> Satan will find you in the weirdest Savannah. <laughs> you're not a member. Well, where, where was I? Satan has a special place for you. <laughs> <laughs> you, Savannah. Yeah. In this way, the village church set itself on a course opposite that of the church in Salem Town, which was far more tolerant and inclusive and had long adapted what was called the halfway covenant in service of enlarging the congregation. So you could sort of like half commit. <laughs> in a <laughs> Puritan <laughs> town? Yeah, so you're sort of like, it's like a, what is that, an open relationship with the church. Oh, I was just thinking it's how I'm still undecided on my political party yeah, because yeah, that's I you. can't, I want to choose. You're on, yeah, you're an independent. <laughs> no, yeah. not even. You're a half member. I won't even pick independent. Oh, you pick nothing. I'm just undecided. No, you're the halfway covenant. You're like, yeah, I'll, I'll generally vote Democrat, but I reserve the right to vote Republican <laughs> if things go a little too far. As non-members began to push back against Paris, uh, who was, again, humiliating them in church, Savannah, and keeping their babies from entering the kingdom of heaven, mm. right? Because he wouldn't baptize yeah, them. Wow. Yeah, wow. Monster. Uh, well, I thought, well, I guess maybe that's now all babies go to heaven, right? Because babies are pure. Nobody's going to heaven. You're Puritan. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying now. It's like one I guy. Was I thought you still had to get baptized. You, it helps. you got to purge that original sin, but 
for a no, Puritan, I'm it's only about like some Methodist church shit. They're pretty lax. Though. You go to a village of Puritans <laughs> and be like, "Who's going to heaven?" They'll be like, "Ah, Joe's Joe's looking pretty good." For it. I think of us, it's probably Joe. That's it. One guy. <laughs> for Joe. No babies. No babies. <laughs> that that baby cries too much. A little too anxious for the breast. Anyhow, Paris became convinced that the devil was to blame for all these people getting mad at him <laughs> for not baptizing their babies and yelling at them in church. So, I would wow. hate to be this guy's wife. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. She's just like, can you take out the trash, please? <laughs> the devil! The devil! <laughs> I can't. So not only do we have this Indian situation where they're like, you don't want the buckle hat, the devil. Now Savannah's like, hey, why you talk to me in church? It's not cool. The devil, he says. So we're constantly accusing people of being and or knowing the devil. When the girls in his own house then began to experience symptoms of satanic possession or witchcraft, he immediately diagnosed this as God punishing the village by sending his demons to afflict the girls. So he believed people were out to get him anyway. He was paranoid. Wait, he said God sent the demons? Well, because the devil can do nothing without God's permission. What? Yeah, that's true. Hold on. This is some... It's good theology here, right there. Some, this is some old shit. This yeah. isn't like... God is all, no. all-knowing and om- omniscient, you see, Savannah. So the devil can do nothing without God knowing. This is where I the am, Odyssey is coming. I am yeah. rolling my eyes right now. So yeah. for people just, who are listening, this you, is like you the can't whole, hear that. Can evil exist with God? Would God let evil exist? Blah 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 blah. blah. So the village's God. failure to acquiesce to their minister's demands provoked God's wrath, uh, and created a door for Satan to walk through. They angered God. God said, "Get down there." Yeah, the devil was fine with it. He loves it when people <laughs> yell at each other in church. But God was like, "No, no, no, no." You go clean that up, devil. What? I, oh, Dad. This is this. I don't. <laughs> fuck you, Dad. That is, that is Lucifer in a nutshell. <laughs> Dad, I don't want to. The devil's masses held at Paris's house and outside the church threatened to uproot the Puritan faith and replace it with the ministry of Satan. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Which was uh, Ozzy's first name for the band until he came up yeah. with Black Sabbath. Mm. On to Tituba, my friends. <laughs> is that a real tidbit? No. <laughs> Somebody out there, though, is definitely writing that down. They're Googling right now. Ministry of Satan. Oh, no, it isn't taken. Okay. Let's talk about Tituba. I promised you, Tituba, let's do it. She admitted that she had made a witch cake with her husband, uh, but she denied that she was a witch herself. She's a clever, clever woman. But I'm going to give her a lot of credit here. Let's see how this worked out. A witch cake was a form of folk magic used to discover the source of an afflicted person's disease. In theory, the bewitched person was cursed such that they were unable to name the witches harming them. This is actually pretty funny. The cake was made of the girl's urine and also rye flour, which were baked in ashes, and then it was fed to a dog (gasps) believed to be the witch's familiar, and the dog was supposed to then name their tormentors. (laughs) So you make this cake... Faded to the dog. He's like, ugh, Olivia. <laughs> you ever read the book about the dog that ate alphabet soup and then could talk? <laughs> this is that. Do- this That's is the same. That's what that is. This is the equivalent. That's what they base that on. Urine and rye flour was the Puritan equivalent of alphabet soup. Wow. Mm. We should get that on a magnet. <laughs> Did they make the dog talk in court? They just sit sit the dog down on the stand and everybody quietly waits. (laughs) Give it some apple soup. Yeah. Let's see what happens. What do you have to say for yourself? (laughs) We have to give it more of the cake. It's not talking. (laughs) So, uh, the alternative is that the dog would give the girls permission to name the witches. to talk though to give them permission or I think is it, it a just, sign he could nod like, approvingly <laughs> <laughs> what if your you ass was if you're sorry if you gave him like scratches like proceed yeah. you would say oh, proceed. Okay. carry on <sighs> as you will it was common for white people by the way in the americas to draw on the agricultural and medicinal knowledge of indian slaves mm. In this case, Tichuba would have been familiar with cooking bodily fluids as a way to ward off evil. 
But this is interesting. The witch cake itself came from English folk tradition, not from the Caribbean. Paris's neighbor, Mary Sibley, told John Indian, her uh, Tichibus husband, to make the cake to try and help the girls. So this is just a white lady, their neighbor. So John Indian huh. is like, man, these girls are in bad shape. What should we do? And Mary's like, hey, you make this cake. I know. It is a secret of my people, my white people back in England. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> so that's where Tichuba's actually. So John Indian brings it back to Tichuba. Oh, so that's what she's saying. She yeah, you guys should make this cake to help the girls. Yeah. Ah, okay, that's smart. So they actually had better means to collect the girls' urine because they emptied the bedpans, uh, and Sibley likely figured that the two Caribbean Indians knew better than she did about, you know, witchcraft and stuff, because stereotypes. Paris was not well disposed, by the way, (laughs) even toward the white magic approach to the situation. This is all to the good, by the way. The the witch cake is not to hurt anybody. Right. It's to get that dog to tell us what's happening. Uh... (laughs) But Paris is like, that's the devil. That dog is like uh, nodding approvingly, and, the, and Paris is in the background. <laughs> the devil! As the dog nods. I mean, I'd be pretty freaked out too if a dog started talking to me. But if you said proceed, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would just proceed. I, <laughs> yeah. I would abide. Do right. what the dog says. <laughs> His neighbor Mary Sibley, incidentally, was never accused of witchcraft, even though she was directly involved in all these sort of uh, beginning incidents. Which- was sorry. Was she like brought in as a witness? She was, yeah. And she, they still were. Well, it's probably because she was a witness that they. Is and that she why? That, yeah. And then they were like. She confessed Peace. to her transgressions in church, not at trial, and was admitted back into the good graces of the congregation by Paris. So <sighs> Paris was like, "Mary, what have you done?" And she's like, "Oh man, I'm sorry about that whole rye dog thing. I'm never gonna do it again." And Paris is like, "Okay." Huh. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. She humbled herself before him, and he was good. In any case, the witch case was witch cake was ineffective. The dog had nothing to say. Imagine that. <laughs> it seems to have backfired, stoking the girl's supernatural fear and inspiring further spectral visions, which in turn drew two more girls into the role of the bewitched victims. So by the time the witch cake gets involved, the girls are starting to really freak out. It's just making them more scared. This is if you give a group of young preteens a Ouija board. Yeah, now now it's all going nuts. Although later writers, most famously Arthur Miller in The Crucible, suggested that Tichuba had introduced the girls to Indian magic and spurred the resulting panic, this does not appear to have been the case. Betty and Abigail had been experimenting with divination using an egg and a glass. Mm. Ah, yes, the old egg and glass routine. Do you know how this <laughs> well, you works? Learn a little, oh, eggs are huge in any yeah, that's really true. most witchcraft practices. Is like how a... would you, dev- oh, you crack the egg into the glass and read the <laughs> yolk? Is that the idea? That's like one of it, or because like a lot of times they'll in like voodoo and shit. I think it is they'll like roll it. They roll it on their body as part of like the cleansing practice. That's too sexy for you, a Puritan. That's not right, right, right. And then you break <laughs> it, and then it's supposed to like if it's like a certain thing that's like a, an illness, I think, or something. I could be getting that totally wrong, y'all. Just you know. By the way, they never mentioned Tichibu or anyone else having introduced them to these rituals. So, mm. in all this, Tichuba never gets maimed, named. It's not like there wasn't, I feel like... It's folk traditions, is that what you mean? Well, plus I was I was just thinking, like, I feel like these girls are being preached at about the devil their whole lives, so, like, why would they not be kind of interested? Well, and if we go all the way back to episodes ago when we talked about uh, freaking Pope Gregory and all that, folk tradition never died. It just mm-hmm. carries on and on and on. So this egg stuff may just be folk tradition that they're carrying with them. And like you're saying, they're very nervous about it, but they want to play with it. Like we all want to play with a match at one point, even though we're not supposed to. Even Elizabeth Bathory, like most of the stuff that people were like, that's super fucking weird. And you're doing witchcraft was just stuff that from her like hometown was like folk. Yeah. Stuff. Normal stuff. Normal egg and glass things. Yeah. (laughs) If they had, Paris would surely have included this in his accusations against Tichuba. So if they had named her, he would have said something about it. Or in the confessions that he beat out of her, he would have said, tell me about the egg in the glass. But he never bothered. She never said anything about it. Mm. Tichuba confessed to bewitching the girls by pinching them in the night, a thing she only did under extreme duress, pressured and threatened by the devil and his witches. So she said, 
she confessed to, I pinched them in the night to bewitch them, but I only did it because the devil and his witches made me. Hmm. This is important. She identified the devil as a man dressed all in black with white hair who asked her repeatedly to sign his book. Significantly, Tichuba saw this man as a white rather than black or Indian man. No, that's fucking right. Right? Mm -hmm. Directly inverted the Puritans' disdain for the pagans they enslaved and fought. Okay, so at this point, I want to do a bit of the court transcript uh, from Tituba, uh, her testimony. So in order to do that, uh, I'm just going to have Olivia and Savannah read portions of the trial transcript. So Savannah's going to do uh, Judge Hathorne, and Olivia's going to do uh, what Tituba said. So this is directly from the trial transcript, so you get to hear what this sounded like. And it's spelled very strange, so forgive us. This <laughs> yeah, is some old English. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what familiar? Ah, I already started. What familiarity have you with the devil, or with his? It you converse with at all? Tell the truth. Who it is that hurts them? The devil, for aught I know. What appearance, or how doth he appear when he hurts them? With what shape, or what is it? What is he like that hurts them? Like a man. I think yesterday, I being in the lento chamber, I saw a thing like a man that told me serve him, and I told him no, I would not do such a thing. She charges Goody Osborne and Sarah Good as those who hurt the children and would have had there had here done it. She saith she had seen hath four. Do you want to interrupt? Yeah, yeah. I, so what Olivia's saying here, I think, is a paraphrase that the court transcriber wrote. So you can hear Tichuba switch to the third person. Uh, and I think that that's the transcriber paraphrasing what Tichuba was saying. And then she'll toggle back to the first person. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to swing back a little then. She charges Giddy Osborne and Sarah Good as those who hurt the children and would have had here done it. She saith she had seen four, two of which she knew not. She saw them last night as she was watching the room. They told me hurt the children and would have had gone to Boston. There was five of them with the man. They told me if it would not go and hurt them, then they would do so to me. At first, I did agree with them, but afterward, uh, I told them I do so no more. What did this man say to you when he took hold of you? He say, go into the other or into the other room and see the children and do hurt them and pinch them. And then I went in and I would not hurt them a good while. I would not hurt Betty. I loved Betty. But they hailed me and make me pinch Betty. And then next Abigail. And then I went away altogether and I pinched them. And what book did he bring? A great or little book? He did not show it me, nor would not. But he had it in his pocket. Did not he make you write your name? Uh, yes, once I made a mark in the book and made it with red like blood. Did he get it out of your body? He said he must get it out the next time he come again. He gave me a pin, tied a stick to it, or to do it with, but he did not let me bleed with it as yet, but intended another time when he come again. So why did she just, like, admit to the pinching thing? Like, was there, like, evidence of the pinching? And so she was like, or was this just a way of being like, this is more believable because I'm admitting to this one thing, but I'm not a witch still. Yeah, and this it sounds is like it. she's separating herself from it as well. Right? Yes, she's being tricky. That's right, what this pinching is all about. Things and yes. admitting to... She's giving them enough right. okay, yeah. that they don't get frustrated with her and just damn her. But she's not giving them. She's not giving them enough to damn her. Was her husband also put on trial at all? John Indian gets away, I think, from all this nonsense. Really? Because he's a well, no, because mm -hmm. some men. Some got men did get it. Yeah, a few, some men did but, get it. So I wonder. That's uh, it may be because Tituba skates away that John Indian. We have to give Tituba a lot of credit here. She's remarkably clever and sensitive to the intricacies of her situation. Rather than flat-out deny involvement with the devil, which other women did and were executed for, she admitted to meeting him, but not to joining him. When asked if she signed the devil's book, she says she did, but in a mark with red-like blood. The devil is not content, she says, with this, since he needs blood for the signature to bind her to him. He returns with a needle, but on this second occasion fails to gain her signature and resolves to get it the next time. According to her testimony, Tichuba never 
signs the devil's book. That sounds like a folklore story right there. I was about to say, that makes her pretty badass to say no to the devil. Right? Yeah. And so she is never a witch because you got to sign that book. When she tells the magistrates that she was visited by a black cat, they ask if she allowed it to suck on her, and she says no. Asked if she conducted witchcraft in her home country, she says no. Her answers gave Paris and the magistrates enough to begin to construct the panic they were all intent on creating, but she managed to hold herself just outside the limits of the devil's plot. She also set herself up as a fellow victim, along with the accusers, rather than a fellow witch, along with the accused. At the end of her first day of testimony, she was struck dumb and blind. Entering trance was a common practice for Arawak shamans when seeking to diagnose or treat the ill effects of witchcraft, but it was not a practice the Puritans associated with witches. Witches didn't fall into trance. But the bewitched might be forced to by their demonic tormentors. So she's being aided a little bit by her ancestors. Her testimony about the satanic conspiracy revolved around a group of nine spectral figures that had come to haunt Salem Village. In addition to the locals, Sarah Osborne and Sarah Good were a man, a dog, a black cat, and a red cat, and a strange, hairy imp. Tituba suggested that some of these other figures had traveled from Boston to do spiritual battle with Paris and his congregation, just basically feeding him what he wants to hear. Others were from the town itself. Outside of Osborne and Good, Tichiba couldn't name these others, but she established the fact that they were there helping to open the door to further accusations. Do you think that, like, when he was hearing all this stuff, that he was just like, ah, yes, good, you're saying what I want? Or do you think, like, he... I mean, obviously that's what he wanted, but then, like, do you think he was also scared? Like, like he genuinely believed it? Like He was pretty paranoid, I think. Yeah. Because it's like if somebody told me, like, hey, the devil's after you and that was something that I was afraid of, I'd be like, oh, shit. Yeah, I think he was feeding himself his own paranoia. Gotcha. I mean, visit any conspiracy YouTube channel and read the comments, right? (laughs) It's the same idea. Tichuba's testimony may have simply been regurgitated from her beatings at the hands of Samuel Paris. So in other words, she, like, rehearsed her testimony in advance as he was beating her and then brought everything she said into court. Mm -hmm. But they may also have been a further attempt to save herself. So she she's making edits, making changes. It, it, we're guessing because we can't know what happened during those beatings. But it, it, she's really clever. If there was a grander plot and she was an informant on that plot, it was not easy to execute her. The magistrates would need her to further send out other members of the conspiracy. So it's a little bit like Scheherazade. She keeps telling stories and that keeps her alive. Mm-hmm. But she's not really, like, naming, naming. She's not naming names. Ultimately, Tituba succeeded in saving herself from the scaffold. She was indicted, along with dozens of other defendants, but never brought on to trial on the charge of covenanting with the devil, because she didn't covenant. Mm. By December of 1693, she had been in jail for 22 months, longer than any of the other Salem defendants. When she was sold to an individual for the sum total of her jail fees... Uh, that was the end of, of her prison term. Hmm. Nineteen were executed at Salem, and several more died in prison, but Tituba was not among them. She was, in part, an instrument of Paris's paranoia and anger, who had no choice but to tell the story Paris and the magistrates wanted to hear. But she managed to foresee where the events at Salem were tending and tilt the narrative enough in her favor to avoid the worst the court had to offer— leaving Salem a sad tale of Puritans killing Puritans, spurred at least in part by their fear of the pagans in their midst. Final thoughts? That's kind of badass. I mean, like, I mean, it is sad, but, like, she did what she had to do to survive. Like, damn. <laughs> like, damn. There was no way out for her. Yeah. There was a gun to her head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she found a way out for herself, at mm-hmm. least. And it seems her husband, he ended up accused and stuff but didn't uh didn't end up getting executed our sources today are benjamin c ray's satan in salem the witch hunt crisis of 1692 george william ellis king philip's war and the university of virginia's salem witch trials documentary archive which i highly recommend if you're interested in these things and don't mind reading old tiny language (laughs) elaine g breslaw's tituba's confession the multicultural dimensions of the 1692 salem witch hunt is in ethno history also recommended to you from summer of 97 all right let's uh, bring us home olivia Sorry, I was just thinking there should be like a titch of a movie. There yeah. should be. Should. Yeah, there should be. A real 
We'd have to guess at a lot of the details, but yeah, yeah, we do yeah. it. We do that anyway. So. Yeah. to say. Yeah. Anyway, I hereby adjourn and declare closed this meeting of the Secret Order of Alchemical Actors until such a time as we get together and do it again. My name is Dr. Robert C. Thompson, your supreme hierophant here with our sister of the 84th degree, Savannah Barrett. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Grandmaster of the Order, Olivia Littoral. Which is our real. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yep. I am. You heard a... it here. We... I am a witch. We conclude our series on the pagans and persecution with uh, the pagan saints of Mexico, which will be our final episode in the series. I just want to close with a note for our listeners. Uh, if you find anything inaccurate in our episodes, I encourage you to go ahead and send us a message. We do our very best to get everything right. Uh, but should you find anything uh, that y- was wrong, we will correct it. We will very gladly correct it in subsequent episodes. Sometimes we even go back and re-record some stuff. Uh, but please, just let us know. We're just people learning. We're just all learners. Living and learning. Doing, a, doing the journey here on Occult Confessions. 